Welcome back to the Combat Chain. I'm your host, Patrick. Tower Shard testing doesn't count unless you can prove your opponent won a Pro Tour, but also never lose in Talishar, even if it doesn't count. Shaw, with me as always, is my co-host, Adam. I'm here to chew gum and beat Stroop Waffles, and I'm all out of gum. Philip Chuck. Adam, how are you doing today? Hey, Pat. I'm good. I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I didn't see the mid... I, I, I still don't know what to call these. Are we? I'm just going to grow it like... Uh, middle name yeah uh i didn't see the one that you had actually written for me in advance and so i kind of the moment i saw it i kind of chuckled a little bit um i don't know if i'm as confident about that match as you are of course we uh now in a a in a funny turn of events uh yuki may accidentally have found out what i'm playing because I, she was in a chat that I forgot she was in, and I made a joke about it. Uh, but I don't know what she's playing, and because I'm, I'm not supposed to know, right? And I, 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 I'm genuinely certain that she's gonna approach it from the sense of like, act as if she's not, you know, um, she's gonna be yeah, as, yeah. as as good about it. I don't think the stakes are as high that she's gonna be like you know what, I'm going to tech the shit out of this deck and I'm no, going to no. do everything I can. Before we but get too I far, think... Adam, what exactly are we talking about for, to the audience before we just talk oh, about yes. you fighting Yuki? Yes, I guess we need a little more context. We are talking, in fact, about uh, Fab Team Cup uh, being put That's on right. by uh, Fab Foundry. It's essentially the third season of Team League, but we're making a... Yeah, well, we've talked about that part a bit. We just needed to tie mm-hmm. the, the, the loose ends together. So yeah. this week, mm-hmm. uh, Team Combat Chain is paired up against uh, Team Stroopwaffle. Uh, Team Stroopwaffle having some notables on it, of course. Uh, Yuki Lee Bender, uh, Zane Johnson's on it. I believe Oliver Fi, um Ian Zhang. Ian Zhang, uh, there we go. Calling Singapore competitor uh, Ian Zhang, I believe. Yeah, so a pretty stacked team, uh, and uh, I, of course, got paired up against uh, Yuki Lee Bender. So that's going to be a... uh, I I hope to put on a good fight and make it a saucy match. Uh, Of course, I've been working more on content. Believe in yourself a little bit. I mean, I've been been trying to get some reps on the deck. You're going to give Yuki the fight of her life. uh, I've been trying to get some reps on the deck that I'm going to play just to, like know what i'm doing and I, it's it's a deck that i'm familiar with uh but mm-hmm. at, at the end of the day i'm just i'm more focused on the content creation and on running the league right or on helping run the league right now because i see so much potential for all that 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 realm of things so i'm not mm-hmm. necessarily i i'm waiting till closer to ProQuest season three to really start like digging into testing and I'm just letting myself like absorb things through osmosis for now, I guess, you know, be part of conversations right. and learn where I can with without like taking on more than I can really stomach right now. That's fair, that's fair. And I believe we will be uh on the f- on the FTC channel on Wednesday, which would be tomorrow night of this as of this recording and then Friday night. 
Yeah, well, the, the Wednesday one's still up in the air. We're trying to figure out the logistics behind it. That's, that's going to be a last minute uh, stream, unfortunately. But yes, we can say we're going to be up on Friday. Uh, we can confirm that my match versus Yuki is going to be live streamed. Uh, that's going to be at 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. Uh, I think Pat's going to be doing some commentary for that. We're still figuring out some of the logistics for that event as well. We uh, we kind of the, these these streams come together very quickly because we have to wait on like the uh on, on the pairings at the beginning of the week and it's not really till monday mm-hmm. that we can start planning and then we got to reach out to players and figure those logistics out and it's it's really a, a moving piece uh or a very like yeah moving thing yeah and, and <laughs> lately we've had to really drag people kicking and screaming onto onto the stream so, not quite people yeah. have been good about it too it's just there things haven't lined up for everything uh with some of them unfortunately facts um speaking of content uh i put the arachne deck tech video up onto the combat chain channel so if you're uh, interested in the uh, cc version of arachne take a look um it's about a half hour long, but I try to go into uh, my build for it. it. It's already evolved. It, we're trying to find like a good, right, a serviceable build. Uh, I think we're we're as good as I think we're gonna get. I don't know if it's like it's not an S tier hero, uh, you know, and I'm I'm okay with that. But you know, it's it's a it was it's fun. I'm having fun playing it, and that's that's all that really matters. I think there. Um, so on top of that, we had a battle harden uh, in Hong Kong. It, Blitz, I love Blitz. Blitz battle harden happened, Adam. So um, we got the top eight of that, and uh, the winner is uh, a person named Powerful Dixon. I love the names they use in Hong Kong. But Dash on uh, Powerful Dixon on Dash Blitz uh, won the whole thing. Uh, we had one, two, we had two dashes. Three Rhinars, two Icelanders, and a Prism taking the top eight of the Battle Heart in Hong Kong. I think Pulse Wave Harpoons and Berserks all over the place. <laughs> it's the future. Yes, and uh, we'll we'll dive into uh, a little bit. Uh, we'll dive into that in a little bit with our guest this week. Uh, who we'll bring in right now. Our guest this week is a legend in the flesh and blood community. He is the Calling Sydney 2019 champion. Uh, he was 17th in the Calling Orlando. He was the Australian national champion in 2021. He was 14th in Pro Tour New Jersey. He was top four, <laughs> top four Calling Sydney uh, in 2022, Calling Singapore Day 2, Pro Tour Day 2, uh, Day 2 Pro Tour Lil. 14th in the 2022 Australian Nationals and 16th at Worlds, enough to get into the Dev Challenge. Ladies and gentlemen, one half of the Arsenal Pass podcast alongside Brendan Patrick, the most objectified man in the Goliath Gauntlet, Hayden Dale. Hayden, welcome to the Combat Chain. Thanks for having me, and uh, take a breath and take a oh, drink. Oh man, it's, <laughs> it's it's I really don't have I don't have the lung capacity for this right now. I'm still under the weather. But Hayden, thank you for coming on to the program. No, no worries. Yes. Thanks for me. I thought you were going to start listing my my sort of you know maybe my academic credentials as well on top of that, or the time I ate some strip waffles because I'm a big fan of strip waffles. So mm. Adam, I'm I'm pulling for you to 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 go big and win this week, but I also really like strip waffles, so I'm a bit torn. What is what is a strip waffle? Oh, 
You don't want a stroopwafel? No, really? I don't. Okay, in all no. fairness, I didn't know what a stroopwafel was until I started uh, dating my my partner, who uh, is um, Dutch, and that's when I learned what a stroopwafel was. So, okay, you're right. It's like a little well, kind of like like waffle pastry type thing. Like it's like two okay. kind of waffly pa- waffly things with with like a, a little bit of filling, and it's usually like kind of caramelly and. Okay. All right. All right. So, so the waffle isn't too far off from what it really. Yeah. Has. Yeah. Yeah. Right. To some extent. Waffle fair. cookie. Yeah. Waffle cookie. Good. That's enough. a good way to put it. Yeah. Please. Yeah. I know waffle cookies. A woofy. <laughs> I don't know. Um. All right. <laughs> woofy sounds like yeah. Woofy sounds like something. <laughs> Hayden, I gotta, I gotta ask you. Uh, you you fly all over the place. You're in Australia right now. You were just sure. in the you're just in the the U.S. You've done it. You've done that trip. It feels like a half a dozen times this year. What's it What's it like making that commute from from Australia to the U.S. And are you are you tired yet of doing this? <laughs> I'm probably a little bit tired at this point. I think I've been in the past twelve months. I think I've been three or four times. And then of course with with Lil. Uh, and I went to Singapore on the way there. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I'm a pretty pretty good traveler, I would say. Like, I don't find it too hard. I'm pretty good with time zones and jet lag and stuff. So I probably am, I get it a, a little bit easier. Um, but it is it is difficult. It's time. It takes a lot of time. It's probably the biggest thing, to be honest. So get, getting to PT in New Jersey took like a day, basically 24 hours. Um, West Coast for San Jose is a bit easier. It's just one direct flight. So that's not as bad. Florida, November last year, that was about 24 hours as well. So it, it is it is a bit of, of travel and it, it takes time. You know, you lose a day basically either side, which is kind of the, the tough part. But, you know, you get to go and play Flesh and Blood. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to take a break, though, sort of November, December, January, and then see what uh, next year holds. Excellent, excellent. Uh, now, uh, of all that travel uh, this year, any any particular highlights? come to mind uh i'm going to uh tie in our first community question to this um so flake matt demarco friend of us all asks <laughs> has hayden changed his mind about the proper drunk mario kart strategy or is he still convinced <laughs> that sculling a beer to start is correct i feel like there's a there's a you know there's more to that than that question on face value just getting straight into it with the flesh and blood after dark questions. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're we're gonna get raunch all over the place here. Uh, so, I mean, first of all, so many highlights from from the year of travel. You know, the five or six trips that I've been able to do. It's just been, to, to be honest, like the the big sort of like ones that would be the ones that really stand out to me is is meeting a lot of the people that I spoken to for so long i met brendan for the first time in person 12 months ago i got to meet the friends i'd made you know via doing this sort of thing right you know i met adam and uh in san jose you know you 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 don't get to do this sort of thing without this travel so um being in europe i spent uh basically almost about three three and a half weeks in europe uh post and pre um leal doing a bit of sightseeing in france with uh, my fiance so like that was a great uh, a great sort of highlight to actually have a holiday on the end of it as well the the story that Flake, of course, he wants to dob me in immediately, is referring to is at the after party for World Championships. Uh, they had they had it was at this like gaming kind of room. It's a room is an understatement. Gaming warehouse basically, and they had like Wii's and switches and stuff kind of around, and you could you could like hire them out. So my friend that I was staying with from New Zealand, Jason, he's like 
we're going to play uh, Mario Kart. We're playing Barrio Kart. And I was like, hmm. okay, you have to tell me what this is. Basically, you, ha- you, you have to finish a Mario Kart race and finish your beer, but you can't drink and drive. That's that's the rules, basically. Oh, boy. And I went over to, to Flake and Brian Gottlieb, and I was like, all right, all right, guys, what do you think? I've never played this before. Here's my strategy. I'm just going to immediately go back to my college university days and just gonna scale this beer immediately. And then I'm just going to go. Cause in theory, if I'm at the back, I get the best, the best upgrades, right? Like this, this is my, my strategy. If you've played Mario Kart. So I thought this would be a great strategy. Turns out not a great strategy. I definitely came last, but my, my thought to Flake's question is yes, I do the same thing again, but I just get better at Mario Kart. I think the drinking was okay. The Mario Kart was abysmal. So. That's fair. That's fair. I just, I haven't played Mario Kart in like, I'd call it 20 years and just so happened to pick it up for the first time on Switch this, this weekend. I'm horrible. Horrible. (laughs) We can have a battle then. See who's worse. Oh, absolutely. Race to the bottom for sure. Uh, Hayden, you are one of the most prolific players in the game consistently competing at high level tournaments and you also have uh one of the top podcasts and youtube channels uh, in flesh and blood gauge your success in 2022 competitively and content wise did you meet your goals in both how much did one potentially conflict with the other if at all it's a, it's a big question um and that last bit's really interesting i think because it's something that gets talked about a reasonable amount and I, it's it's definitely a balance trying to find time for content creation and trying to play, you know, effectively what is it is at a high level if, if you if you can. Um, in terms of, maybe if I break it down, like the, the podcast and what we've done with Arsenal Pass is kind of just taken on a life of its own. We never really had plans for what Arsenal Pass would be outside of just me and Brendan were talking about the game a lot. We thought we could you know put this into a podcast form and share our experiences and some of the things that we're finding as we started to go to events as organized play started to happen for flesh and blood um and then it just kind of has evolved especially this year you know we started in october no we started mid of 2021 and uh it's been kind of the last 12 months in particular have just been exponential sort of growth and we've branched out into you know a lot more youtube content with deck techs and interviews of players and um you know a lot of different things and that's been such an awesome experience and the experience that sort of allows us to have with interacting with people at events and things like that um i really enjoy the content side of it and so i don't know if if we necessarily had any goals and if we've kind of succeeded in those goals i think we've kind of set little mini milestones for ourselves like we'd love to you know do something with lss which we did this year we did sort of a, a video series actually we did two video series with them which was was a really cool experience to do uh we knew we wanted to have interactions with certain certain people and um then also probably what has driven the youtube stuff has been the competitive side we've we never knew if we'd continue to be competitive players and if I was to gauge my success on, you asked about the competitive side of the game. Mm-hmm. Like I'm really happy with the year, you know, I, I mean, I would have loved to have won a pro tour, but you know, <laughs> you can't, you can't, you can't do it all. Right. And I think um, starting the year winning the Australian national championship was like the best possible way to, to start the year. Um, and then traveling to play these events, I was really happy with my finish at PT one, less happy with PT two. You know, I think I finished like seventieth or something like a, an eight and six record or something. Um, and then world championships, like, I would say I didn't, I never really go on with like a, a set sort of goal of where I want to be, but I know I want to do well and going to the tournament, I felt really good about the event. So I felt like I could, I felt like I could top eight. I felt like I could potentially win if I got the right sort of stuff to go my way. And, um, you know, I think the goals change. Like 
on day two, halfway through day two, I'm like, wow, I'm like one win away from top eighting this event. And obviously it doesn't like quite go that way. You know, there's an infamous game on stream where I get beat down by a plucky Reiner. But, you know, <laughs> I think over the, over the year, like if I was to gauge the success of both Arsenal Pass and sort of the competitive year, I feel really good about it. I don't know if I have necessarily ticked everything off that I want to do. You know, I'd, I'd love to, to top eight a pro tour. I'd love to uh, go back and, and make another crack at, at a national championships. I just want to win something again, guys. You know, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Right. See, those the national championships in particular seem to be quite the the uh, litmus test benchmark setting kind of affair. Team Dragon Shield obviously kind of swept it in 2022, and that was kind of like they're moving into uh, like out national season into world championship season. It seemed like that's kind of a goal that they had had set there. And you had done a similar uh, 2021 nationals really put. Uh, both both you back into the like, competitive spotlight, and then uh, that Viserai deck, right? It was uh, that you just blew that up completely once once that happened. Just everyone kind of everyone looked at that and went, "Oh yeah, it's good." Turns out, um, <clears throat> I, you talk about the infamous game on stream. You are in it was, it was round sixteen, the last mm -hmm. last round of Swiss. You sit down, you see you see Reinar walk me through what is what goes through your head when you see barraging beat down into alpha rampage what's the mindset there uh i think my first mindset before even that is like i hope i win the dyro because i've mm -hmm. i've played this matchup quite a bit mostly from the reinar side actually i you know i'm a big reinar fan and i wanted to play it at worlds i just felt the the matchup into ultim and potentially change just wasn't wasn't good enough but the i matchup a matchup i know is, is favored for reinar and when when Zach kind of drops that start on me, to be honest, I don't, there's not much you can really do. I just kind of like have a little, little chuckle to myself. And, and uh, that's the kind of start of the game. I don't feel like I can't win it at that point. I just know that I'm, I'm really behind and I just have to play as tight as humanly possible to find any edge to get back into the game. I know what it kind of looks like. It looks like me coming back in with a really strong attack on my first turn, something like a wounded bull. And then it looks like me having some, disruption elements to hopefully be able to stop him being able to go hopefully he goes wide and i can hypothermia him or i can land like a channel like frigid um and just be able to basically i know at that point though i need to end the game in the next two two to three turns so i need to find a combination of damage and then an end game but that's literally all i'm thinking about is like how can i still win this game um and then you know next turn it kind of proceeds to be another sort of like quad intimidate and and so on and so forth and yeah, my, my view is just play the game until it's over. And I mean, Zach played well. He he knew his dick inside and out. And he, he said to me, he's like, been doing this all day, just bodying Icelanders. <laughs> it does seem... I, I, I love Reinar and Blitz. Uh, I've, I have shamelessly jacked several of your Blitz lists uh, and, and run them myself. And it's, it is fantastic. Uh, and especially into Icelander. Well, um, I could have a quick shout out to you, though, because... There's a video that's probably by the time this has gone out up on the LSS page where I play an Arachne deck that is your basically your I think it's like two or three cards different to your Arachne deck. Uh, so you know we've we've swapped lists. So I have to give a big thank you to you as well. Hey. I'm so excited. I'm happy that 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 worked out. Uh, I'm excited to see the video. This oh is, yeah, you're gonna like it. I think maybe. I'm gonna. All right. It's a big I, game. It's I, I I genuinely didn't think that you'd you'd, you'd pick it. I'm glad you did. I'm, I'm I'm super excited to to see see how it goes. Um, all that good niceties. I I'm gonna have to let's let's uh, we're gonna walk back a little bit in 2022. Um, you spent a lot of time being competitive. Your competitive testing team. Uh, 
is consisted mostly of uh, yourself, Brendan Patrick, and Sasha Markovich, and uh, tangential people around. Um, in May, we had a bit of a controversy, and I'm going to ask a uh, community question, and then we'll we'll walk through here. Um, Dustfim from uh, the Discord asks. Uh, we seem to hear a lot from various podcasts, ourselves included, who have talked to members who tested with the AP team for PT1 regarding the surprise Kano switch from Hayden, Brennan, and Sasha. It would be good to hear Hayden's side. Massive fan of Hayden, BT Doves, says Tusfin. So this is the question we asked Brendan, who deflected masterfully, right? <laughs> In May, Arsenal Pass came to Pro Tour New Jersey with Kano, a deck that was revealed to be a relatively last-minute audible for the team. That pivot to Kano had ramifications for players that can still be felt today. Uh, and so my note to add today is um, we have interviewed both Matt folks who cited this instance as a major influencer on how he prepped for Pro Tour Lil and Michael Hamilton, who mentioned this as a big reason for joining the Wolfpack, uh, why joining the Wolfpack was the right move for him. Given the power of hindsight, is there anything you would change about the approach the team took in selecting the Kano deck? Yeah, it's uh, it's a big question in terms of because I think there's a lot that goes into the discourse around this. I think and probably for some context, because you talked about like the the, the team that we have, um, mm -hmm. and I think probably for some context of how testing generally looks for myself, I can give it from my perspective. Um, since t so in 2021, we were I was testing a lot with Brendan and Dante Del Fico out of Canada. And at that point, we added one of my good friends, Dan Mackay, to sort of our regular testing group, who's in New Zealand. Um, and then eventually, like Zach Barn from Team Covenant and Tim Bunn, his brother, and a couple others joined. And we had a, a bit of a bigger testing group that we tested at a, uh, on a US time schedule, basically, uh, heading into Orlando. So US Nationals in 2021. Um, post that, what kind of ended up happening for me is that I just couldn't, I couldn't really commit to that time anymore. It, it was, it was not a good time for me testing on us time, just being on the Southern hemisphere didn't really work and um, sort of heading into my nationals and then post my nationals, I kind of decided I was going to do my own thing at that time. So 90% of my testing that I actually do myself is with Damakai. He's like, he's my number one testing partner. I think he's one of the, the best and most underrated players in the world, to be honest, he's a phenomenal play tester and he just has like the best mindset for it. I think in the way he approaches games, he doesn't, tilt when he tests he doesn't uh he doesn't have an agenda when he tests he just wants to find the best possible information when he tests so and he's on my time zone and he's one of my good friends so it makes it super super easy so when we kind of changed to this uh when i kind of moved away from like a, a widening testing group i said to brendan look i can't do this testing sort of time frame it doesn't really work for me i think i'm gonna gonna kind do my own thing with with dan we might look at a group that's based here in australia or new zealand that works on a time zone brendan was cool that he was like yeah you should you should do whatever works for you um, and then sort of heading towards PT1, uh, Sasha was coming back into the game, who's also on a similar time zone to me. And it kind of made sense that we'd like link up as a, as a wider group. So we had, I'm trying to remember, so myself, Dan, was still primarily doing our testing, but then there was Sasha, Brendan, Michael, and Matt, who you just talked about, and Roger, who's uh, Michael's friend, who were kind of, uh, we had a bit of a, a wider group there. And then uh, basically what kind of it looks like, and this has been the same all year. So for PT1, PT2, PT3, I, th Worlds, I think I've played maybe 
six or seven games against Brendan and testing for that and maybe 10 against Sasha. I actually don't really test for the group, unfortunately, because of time zones. Me and Dan test on our own schedule and then we might connect up for conversations and things like that to work out what's happening. Um, so PT1, what the kind of testing looks like for me is that there's a there's a group of like a North, what I call like a North American cell and like a, a Southern Hemisphere cell. So North America, I think Matt ended up testing on their time zone primarily a lot as well. So he would like, I think he was getting up at like ridiculous times actually, like 1am or something to test with them. Yep. And then Sasha, Brendan, because Sasha didn't have a job at the point, he just left LSS and Michael, I want to say, and Roger, I think a lot of the time as well, were testing. And then me and Dan would test in our evening and then sometimes there'd be like a little bit of overlap or we'd, we'd come back on things. I was actually, the, the deck I worked on the most for that was Dash. My whole intention for the event was to play Dash uh, it's the deck I tested through pre-ban, even post-ban. I thought it was, I thought it was super powerful. I mean, we saw the power of it at at Lille, like it made top eight. Nothing changed. Um, it just that Starvo and Chain had Living Legends, so it was the deck that I was kind of working on. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess you know the story, like of of the pivot. I think the five seven days before Brendan and Sasha revisit the Kano deck. I don't know if everyone knows this, but the Kano deck was actually something that Brendan and Sasha had developed pre the Viscerai banning, the Scalata banning. It was like the number one deck kind of on the, the radar for those guys. I don't know if Michael liked it as much. I think Matt thought it was pretty good. I think Michael kind of wanted to play Ultima or something at that point. Um, and then I know they revisited that. Uh, so, I mean, what I can say from my standpoint, like what I what I did is I changed the deck the day before. And I know some people have doubted that. They're like, did you actually change the day before? Yeah, I did. I had Dash in my bag. I had a Blitz Kano deck. I had to go and find cards the morning of. I asked my friend to go and help me find some cards. Luke Badger, if anyone knows who Luke Badger is, to help me go and find some cards to finish making the deck. Um, would I do anything different in the in the situation of like what happened? Yeah, I think so. And I've talked about that with Michael Hamilton in particular, someone that I feel is one of the most amazing human beings I've ever met and a very nice guy and someone that I wanted to get my point across about things that you know, have been said from by other people. Sure. And uh, we, we've had that conversation. And I, I think that's water under the bridge uh, between at least myself and, and Michael. But yeah, yeah I, 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 at least like, you can feel free to ask more pointed things, but I, I don't really have too much else to say other than like, that was kind of the process for, for me. And it's really hard, I think, not being testing on different schedules and at different parts of groups and stuff, I think adds a lot of complication to these kind of things. And it's something that I've tried to reduce in my personal testing moving forward, because it's really hard to have this discourse and know what people are doing, whether people are testing with other groups, people are testing only within this group and what expectations are. For sure. So I, I suppose to expand on like, not to, not to beat a dead horse there, but I, I, the impression I got from Matt and, and Mike was that there was a pretty, a, a pretty good consensus on, uh, I want to say Matt, Matt was saying that it was, it was chain, right? It was uh, the, the group going into PT New Jersey was, was on chain. There was exchange of information, right? There's, there's test data, everything that was leaning towards, Boys. uh, right. Le leaning towards that, this, this result. And because the, the impression that, that we get is that, that, uh, that testing data transparency ended, right. Ag abruptly. And then dot, dot, dot Kano comes, it comes to New Jersey. Now you've, you've done a very good job of, of, uh, I'm not saying you're, you were lying. I believe you. I believe you. That it seems like a very reasonable, uh, <laughs> reasonable story. Uh, you know, in explanation for that. But was there more to the to the testing dynamic? I guess that like if you're separating yourself uh, on your own, I guess. But you would have kind of a pulse on the situation for the surrounding. Yeah. 
uh, surrounding group there. It was was there some turmoil uh, outside of uh, deck selection that was happening? I guess it's interesting. I guess it's perspective, right? So you you talked about like I think you said meditate about chain. Mm-hmm. I don't. It's not the so like I was saying. I was on dash. Like for instance, mm-hmm. like dash was the deck that that I wanted to play and work on. And to be honest, not many other people were interested in it, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of did more of my own thing. I know Michael and Matt were particularly big on chain. Um, Dan was just doing the testing. He wasn't going to that PT, so he was just in it with me on on dash. We were literally just playing games of dash and trying to work out that that build right. and what it should look like. Uh, and then, so Brendan and Sasha, I think were kind of floating between a lot of different things. The one, the way that like Sasha works when he tests is like, he will test everything and he will like take it to the limits. And then the day before he'll be like, okay, this is the thing. It's like, it's a little bit frustrating testing with him. Sometimes I talked to him in this about Lil, like the day before in Lil, like we didn't have a deck list and that's like, that's a really difficult position to be in unless you have a, a beautiful mind like that. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's difficult. Cause I think it's, like I say, it's perspective, right? Like obviously that's a feeling from matt is that he thought you know a lot of people are locked on chain i thought you know i'm playing dash people aren't as interested in it mm-hmm. chain was probably my default backup at the time uh you know three four days before i know i i, t- I check in with sasha and brendan they're like testing this nine belittle chain deck which is like designed to beat the mirror um yep. they're moving through iterations of stuff it's like there's definitely chickens and I can only speak from my interaction because like I said, I wasn't in that primary cell of right, them right. testing day after day after day. I'm only checking in every once in a while, but there was definitely communication up until, you know, c- close to the PT about what, what people were doing. And what, like I had, a, I was on a call with Michael and Matt like five days before, like exchanging information on, I'd been playing a lot of chain the week before thinking I might default and sort of feeding back what I'd been finding about cards like Time of Torment and and cool. um, like Shadow Puppetry and stuff like that. So I think there's still discourse. I just, yeah, in terms of that iteration of like, of Kano, I mean, the deck is nine cards different to what the deck was a month before, you know, in terms of the, the change of it. Does that answer your question? Sorry, I was trying to understand. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I was, I, I that you've done more than enough. I'm, I'm, all right. I have beaten the dead horse. Thank you. Thank you for humoring, humoring us. That thus concludes the, the, the saga of PT New Jersey for the combat chain. All right, moving on. We saw your Arsenal path partner somewhat sunset his time as a competitive player as he took up casting at Worlds. Uh, his highest profile gig doing so yet. You yourself have dabbled in a bit of casting in the Goliath Gauntlet and other streams over time. Where does Haydendale go from here? Do you continue to climb the competitive ladder or do you start to lean more into fab-related content and casting? And is is there a walk-away point uh, in in the future? Yeah, I mean, it might not be so much climbing as it might be sliding down the rungs. Um, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I would like to play competitive Flesh and Blood, for sure. Uh, for me, it's a question of logistics and time is really the the tough thing so you talked about travel at the start it, it is it mm-hmm. is tough and it not only is it not ideal but it does take up a lot of time just the travel and that's let alone before we start thinking about things like testing you know um so i would like to it really depends i was hoping we'd get some sort of organized play announcement probably before december to make some decisions about what i wanted yeah. to do next year around playing uh if there's a pro tour in europe for instance I'm saying this now, but it could change. I'd really struggle, I think, to to make it to that pro tour. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's just the, the hardest to travel to. It's the most expensive, and it, it takes the most amount of time. But US is probably on my radar. So yeah. the first pro tour of next year looks like it's going to be in North America. 
I will, yeah. I would say more than likely, I'd say like I'm 80, 90% to attend that right now. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Um, yeah, I've done some casting. I really enjoy it. I don't know if it's quite for me. I don't know if I'm quite the archetype for casting. I think I would like to be involved in coverage potentially at some point, but it might be more of, I don't know if you've ever seen like, if you've ever watched any Magic the Gathering like pro tours in the past, but they used to do this yep. thing called like the news desk, right? Or they'd like interview players and talk about like do sure. deck techs and stuff in between rounds. Like that sort of stuff I think is really interesting because it's a lot of the content I want to do myself for for Arsenal Pass and for for you know like YouTube channels and uh, what we what we do put out as content. So that stuff's really interesting to me. But casting, I've done it a few times. I do enjoy it. I just don't think I'm as good at it as as other people. I don't think I can bring across the things that someone like a Brendan or a Brian Gottlieb or a Flake can, depending on their, their role they're filling. So um, is there a walkaway point? Uh, depends who you ask. If you ask my fiance, there probably is, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends. It depends on what happens next year. I'm enjoying playing the game. I've got some PTIs banked. I can have the luxury of choosing which which Pro Tours I do or do not go to. Uh, I don't feel pressured to go to them like maybe I did this year. I felt like mm-hmm. for my profile, whatever you want to call it, from for Arsenal Pass and to play the game I loved, I felt like I had to go to everything. I felt priced into it. I really don't feel like that anymore. So my, my probably target on the wall next year is go to at least one Pro Tour, play in any callings that are in the Southern Hemisphere is probably my my kind of target right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you bring up you bring up you know, if the boss if the boss says <laughs> says so right uh, there uh, both David David Rude and Chris Ray right both both yeah. are uh, unofficially officially retired for basically basically the same reason right? they they gave about a year and a half or you know they gave organized play in 2022 uh, everything that they got they they hit that mark and then they said. Or it seems like their their families were like, okay, you did it. Now that's that's enough. Is that is that a discussion that has taken place, or are you you kick that can down the road a little bit? It's probably a discussion I I have with myself where I instigate. My Devin, who is my fiance, we've been together for a very long time. She's known that like it was part of the package deal. It was like I play cards, right? Like it was always part of the part of the deal. And she's been super supportive uh, of of all sort of like, especially with flesh and blood and and what I wanted to do. So we've definitely had that discussion. But it's more, to be honest, it's more for me about like career. So I have a job that's reasonably demanding. It requires a lot of travel and stuff as well. And I do want to make sure I get to spend time at home and doing the things I love, like getting outdoors, spending time with friends going out to eat, you know, all these sort of things. And I felt like this year I definitely had to sacrifice a lot of that to make time for testing and to do the things that I wanted to balance with flesh and blood and just just day-to-day life, right? Just work and just, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. cooking dinner, whatever it is, you know, there's like a this big balance. So um, to be honest, it's more just, yeah, what what I feel I have the time and the sort of the bandwidth to, to do next year. And uh, at the moment, decision is not sure, but I know I want to keep playing. And it's like, you tap, you get that needle in your arm, right? It's like so hard to say, I'm, I'm not going to do something or to walk away. Like, you know, Chris, David, are they going to stay away? Who knows? You know, it's really hard to stay away from, from the game once you're into it, I think, and both very good players. So, you know, they could easily walk back in and do it. Yeah. Chris is already in, in the test servers already. Of course. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sounds about right. <laughs> playing stuff. I'll um, just test. I'll just test. Just help out. I'll just test. Right. Just be the gauntlet deck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Goliath Gauntlet. Dur- during the Goliath Gauntlet uh, pregame show, you were you 
you were objectified. Uh, you were a consensus, the most attractive player in the tournament. So congratulations. It was it was unanimous. It was uh, uh, so congratulations. How does it feel to be uh, a sex symbol in a trading card game? <laughs> well, I think it's a bit of an achievement because Caleb Van Patten was also in there as well. So I don't know how I've snagged that one, but I'll I'll take it. I mean, I don't don't really know what to say to be honest. Um, <laughs> just I'm just me, you know. I just <laughs> you know you know, and that's 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 what you bring to the table, right? And and that's what it's the natural charisma. Uh, we have a community question tied to this. Speaking of sex symbols, <laughs> oh uh, Sean, Sean Hill uh, uh, on Team Combat Chain uh, and on the Discord asks, does Hayden agree that Adam Philip Chuck has the indisputable best mustache? In all of flesh and blood. Do you know what? As a great moustache, Adam, you do have some competition though. You've got some competition from the likes of like Simon Denning. Yep. You know, Ooh. Taylor Morrow as, at some points has had a great yes, slog on his face. 100%. I don't know if he still does. Yeah. So you, I'm gonna I'm gonna say for now, yes. But you know, I think it's uh, you've got some stiff competition. And I, I'm the first to Ooh. to acknowledge that you know Simon Denning is it uh, Philip McKay uh, in your oh, Phil, Phil, yeah but he just grows hair he'll grow a mustache in like a week it's kind of unfair <laughs> he's one of the gifted ones uh, but nonetheless like you know he he's got a, a great mustache uh, what I said Simon Denning uh, Taylor from uh, the Attack Action podcast and I don't want it is very much part of my goal to have the quote-unquote best uh, mustache and flesh and blood, but I don't want to just have the title thrown around. I want to like, I want to see it be like earned fair and square. And if it does go to one of those other gentlemen, I, I a hundred percent like that. If through fair play, if that's how it, it the, the chips fall, I think that is how it should be. And at the end of the day, I I just want it to be. I I, I don't and I don't even know how do we go about like fairly decreeing this look look i i I don't know how we got this far into the conversation well i'll be honest honest, sean this is is for the sake of the audience yeah sean's the one who's really yeah yeah, we are here now right so no you do cosplay right there's a if there's a cosplay contest we got to have a stash a stash stash off we gotta gotta have it yeah stash off every man high stakes stash off whoever whoever loses that's it only one stash remains that that is oh, very man. high stakes. I mean, like I, yeah, I would if there was a stash off, I'd I'd pull the the mustache wax out and like really when do it up. La- when was the last time? When was the last time you didn't have a stash? What? When was when was the last time you you took the razor to the full? I actually don't believe it's been over two and a bit years. I think I've had oh, this man. mustache longer than I've been playing Flesh and Blood. Now that I think about it, huh? All right, all right. Uh, so you, all right, you, hey, look, flesh and blood. Let's talk about a card game here. Um, <laughs> we live, we live in a post-dynasty world right now, with upgrades and wrinkles added to a number of classes, as well as a completely new hero. Aiden, we know you love some Rhinar, even when it's rolling you at worlds. I'm sorry. Uh, which leads us to the next community question. Darth Prentice slash Greg asks, "It uh, would love to know if Hayden has dusted off the ravenous meat axe to test its synergy with Berserk and Rhinar." Says, "I know it's not optimal, but it is a romping good time." Well, it's not very romping, is it? It's more ravenous, I would say. But uh, <laughs> I haven't 
with ravenous meat axe but i did uh mess around with a bit of a berserk combo deck the other day trying to trying to see if i could deal 30 plus damage on a berserk turn with blood rush bellows and it is it is doable it does require berserk plus blood rush bellows and you do need to play things like uh skull horn i think um beaten trackers bark bone strapping and you have to play a lot of six attacks in your deck right so um yeah i mean berserk is like a real card it, it says draw a card on it and it says it says draw multiple cards on it potentially so that is like something that can be broken in flesh and blood like those are the kind of cards that always jump out to me as like ones that you you should try and abuse there might be this kind of like ravenous you know meat axe deck that he's talking about that, that greg's talking about that you can just when you draw a berserk you can guarantee at least some value off of it so you raise the floor because berserk has quite a low floor i think but a really really high ceiling so maybe there's a deck that's somewhere between you know you can pop off with a combo but maybe when you just draw this card it it, it can be useful so I, I think there's something there i just don't know i don't know how good it is um <clears throat> there is uh, it is not in the nose but there is another community question um that re relates directly to this what would it take for LSS to print a, a blue six attack uh, brute card? It, it seems like seems like it, it's it's off limits. Um, and uh, James White has has gone so far. I believe at Worlds in the Q and A had talked about how he does not want blue impactful attacks like printed in Flesh and Blood. And Macho, and he, Macho Grande and Thunderquake were uh, Guardian selections. Uh, towards towards that end there uh what needs to happen to get get that i think we need one more yeah so that that's uh do you know i actually asked this question to one of the devs at worlds so uh we during the dev challenge we actually did a, a bit of a welcome to Wraith draft afterwards and i held up blue rick romp and i said how do i just get another another three of these in my class constructed deck and an unnamed dev said go away <laughs> <laughs> so uh i think the the issue with it if i was to start with that is that it adds consistency right like like you said james talked about the power of blue consistency and powerful cards right mantra grande thunderquake uh glacial footsteps these kind of cards that guardian particular ultim have access to are really strong we've seen them do a lot of work but that's in a guardian archetype right it fits the archetype it is mm -hmm. true to what the guardian's trying to do is is a blue resource card true to what brood is trying to do in terms of flavor but that, that's one thing but then go beyond that and you talk about the consistency of which that adds to the deck it might just be too good to be honest like even if it costs it's you don't even have to be able to play it it could be like a six cost you know discard two cards it comes in for six like it doesn't even need to be in any way balanced it would just be that the printing of a six the printing of it being blue and it defending for three would be good enough now i think one thing that you could probably get at a generic slot is potentially you know swing with massive tree you know an upgrade on swing with big tree costs one more but has effective one more power at each each step so you could have a, a blue six that doesn't defend um that's probably what you could have that would probably be, be balanced but yeah i, I I would say I think we'll see it in the future, but I think it's something that probably uh, they're, they're wary of, of doing, I think. I, I have a sinking suspicion that the dev team have thought about this and thought it's probably a bit too good. That's fair. That's fair. Um, there there seems to be a lot of crazy cards coming out uh, from Dynasty. Um, <clears throat> I will be the first to admit I have not had the time to watch parts one or two of your Dynasty review, so uh, I'm, those answers may be in there, but I don't know yet. Um, but there's we we just talked about Berserk, uh, Pulse Wave Harpoon apparently mm. is changing is changing the landscape 
uh, for Dash completely. Uh, Looming Doom and uh, Deathly Duet for for Viserai uh, and uh, Iron Song Pride uh, showing up for Dorinthia. Um, how many of the are these cards for for real? What what cards in Dynasty are for real are in really going to change? Right, change the landscape uh, of classic constructed and blitz here, uh, and which ones might be a little overhyped. Dynasty is a, a friggin' great set. I just got to say, like I've been super impressed the more I play with cards from Dynasty and start to look at them. They're they're so different from Everfest. Everfest felt like you know a lot of the the rich got richer, right? It felt like yeah. that a lot with Dynasty uh, with with Everfest. And the cards I I didn't think were particularly interesting either. I don't think Blue Auras are particularly interesting to be honest. And and I've played a reason my illusionist. I don't think Ravel and Runeblood is a particularly interesting card, for instance. I think a lot of the cards in Dynasty are really interesting. Something like Looming Doom. What a what a card! Like that card is so much depth to it. It's it's really interesting. Um, I think these cards, what what Dynasty is doing right is you look at it. Icelander, Ultim, Briar, Fi, basically get nothing from the set. Maybe you could argue Fi and some sort of different build could get something, but basically get nothing. What Dynasty is doing is helping bring these other classes up to potentially being able to compete. Now, will it be good enough when we get you know all things said and done to Progress Season and Pro Tour One? Will will these cards be enough to do do what maybe they seem like they're doing? Not sure, but a lot of these cards are definitely for real. I mean, one you didn't talk about is Hanabi Blast, right? I think that might be the most yeah, yeah. powerful card in the in the set, to be honest. I think that is that even more so than Pulse Wave Harpoon to me is what's pushing Dash to be a competitor for one of the best decks in the format. Um, but yeah, like you said, Looming Doom, that card, not only really interesting, but I think is is really good. It adds a lot of it's like really dynamic card as well. I don't think it's massively crazy powerful, but it's really flexible. It's a blue defensive three, it's a non-attack action, it can turn excess rune chance into long-term damage. It can help you push through damage against uh, defensive decks as something like Viserai. Um, Iron Song Pride is just a really cool, interesting card that has a lot of play around to it. So yeah, I, I think these these cards are good. I'm trying to think about cards that maybe seem a bit overhyped. Uh, Deathly Duet is like okay, I think, but I, like that's a card that I think might be a little bit a little bit overhyped. Maybe maybe uh, Savage Beatdown for Brute, maybe a little bit. Skullcrack. Skullcrack, there you go. That's an overhyped card. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, I I didn't list, and we haven't we haven't talked. Uh, the Katsu card. Well, the the ninja cards, right? The, mm. the combo cats. Is cats a thing? Cat cats looks like Benji to me. You block. It seems like if you block Tiger Swipe, you're you're in the clear. But some people have been pulling off these, I don't know, the forty five damage. Yeah. You know, triple art of war type type turns. There is that is is Katsu. Is that what it needed? Was cats? Um, not sure. It's definitely different, and it definitely gives you a different avenue to attack on. That's different to the combo kind of traditional lines that Katsu has. It's, it's probably more powerful for sure. Is it good enough to be better than just playing Fi? I'm not sure. Like Fi can have those turns, right? Fi can have mm -hmm. the the double art of war, the art of war, um, searing kind of turns. So. Right. Yeah, it's it's cool. Like you say, though, block out tiger tiger swipe. Am I kind of in the clear? I, I'm not sure. There's I, one thing I think people could look at is is utilizing some of the items and potions potentially um, to, to set up even bigger turns. But yeah, it's cool. I really like it. I like what Crouching Tiger is as a card. As it's like it's not a token, but it's also not a, you know it's a card that disappears. It's uh, it's quite interesting. It is. It is very con very confusing initially about whether or not because <laughs> looking at it, I. I had a discussion with my group and it was like, you know, Phoenix, you know, Phoenix flames didn't, didn't uh, end up in the deck at first. And then they are, is there any reason to put a t crouching tiger 
into the deck. I don't even know. I don't know if that's not what I can think uh, of. <laughs> no, I can't think of one either. Uh, Arachne, a new hero. Uh, it's 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 fun. Um, we just talked about. It. I I posted deck tech on the the classic constructed earlier. Uh, uh, I mentioned earlier. I, what's a what's Arachne Arachne to you? It seems like it's a incomplete but fun fun hero with with some pretty drastically like poor matchups that that probably can prevent it from being. You know, I I don't know if it'd be competitive in in the sense that you'll sleeve it for, you know, Pro Tour. It's Arachne's better than I thought. I'll give it that. Spider's Bite as a weapon is mm-hmm. has been super impressive to me so far. I, I thought that weapon on face value was... I mean, I knew it wasn't just a bad Kadachi, but it, it did have that kind of feel when the, the patterns of play probably weren't as obvious to me when I first looked at mm-hmm. Arachne as a hero. Um, but I do kind of agree with you. I think it's this kind of hero that is going to need more support to be you know, competitive or super competitive into the future. I think we'll see it show up in ProQuest season. I think we might even you know see it make a couple of top eights. I don't necessarily think we'll see it win anything, but it is a lot of fun. It's it's cool, and I think right now it can't even be a meta pick. You know, I think into decks with those disruption elements and the abilities written on those cards are going to be really relevant, especially Spider's Bite into like heavy attack action decks. I think Arachne can be viable. I, you know, I've played into it. I've played with it. It does feel, it does have some power. Um, if I was to place it in the kind of like tier system of where things might be, it feels a lot better than playing like Azalea prior to Dynasty, for instance. So <laughs> That's true. That's, and I think that's, that's where I'm at uh, as well. I do like, I, I, I I'm not gonna throw it in the trash, even though they it, apparently it can't beat Dash. Uh, if Dash throws, goes to pistol, uh, but and that's enough for some people to just throw it right in the garbage. But I'm not not quite there yet. Uh, tomorrow, let's say in the hypothetical world, tomorrow you have you have a pro quest to attend. What what are you sleeving up? If in uh, if it's what are you sleeving up? And if different, what do you consider the best deck in the format at this moment in time? Yeah, two two very different questions. I think actually, right now, I think I'm sleeping up Dash. It's something I've played a couple of armories over the past few weeks. Getting back and playing some games after a, a week of a bit off. Um, really like it. I think it's super fun to play. I actually yeah. think it's really difficult to play Dash. Firstly, to build a list that can do well into people trying to potentially fatigue you. If you're playing this more aggressive and build, or if you're playing with items, like what does that look like into things like Fi and Icelander, etc. So I think there's there's complexity around building it, but also playing it as well and what items you want to play and how you play out certain lines, which is really cool. I really like that. Um, what I think is the best deck? I don't know. I have a feeling that Fire is probably still just the best deck. Um, I think it was for Worlds, to be honest. I think it was probably the it had the best matchup spread. Iceland is still very, very good as well. And, you know, but I, people are talking about that more. I've seen it on sort of like Twitter and stuff. People are like, hey, people have forgotten about Icelander. It's still so good. Yeah, it is. But I think even more people have forgotten about Fi. I'm seeing no one talk about or play Fi right now, but it's, uh, mm-hmm. I think it might just be Fi. That's, that's, that's an answer I like. I'm sick of Icelander. I, I am just, I, I don't know what it is. I, I have trouble f- playing it, uh, playing against it. And it just seems like if you're at, if you're at 15 life, uh, and and everyone's equal, they're they're winning anyways, and they're about to lethal you, and there's nothing you can really do about it. Yeah. Uh, if, if you're an Icelander player, just cover your ears for a second. But I find Icelander quite boring to play. Like <laughs> I don't mind playing against it. I just find playing it. It's just I don't find it very enjoyable. I don't think the play patterns are very enjoyable. But you know, Michael Hamilton. I'm sorry, mate. <laughs> 
you know, he's he is he's one of those like uh, he he loves those numbers, right? It's all it's all a numbers game, and it's just it, that's all it is. It's un unsexy numbers, and as long as he gets those numbers right, and that that's right up his alley, uh, there for there. Okay, one last question, and then we'll wrap it up. Uh, non flesh and blood related. It can be about anything. What is something you'd like people to know about you that they don't know now? I wish I thought about this one. <laughs> uh, good question. I feel like I've used this one a, a bit. I'll, I'll use something different. Um, I am really into overnight oats. Okay. And I think if right. if you're not if you haven't really tried overnight oats before, you should. I've just gotten into it recently. You should you should get into it. You can do some really fun stuff with overnight oats. Tasty, pretty nutritious reasonably healthy and uh i don't know enjoy i enjoy the process of making them so there you go not the most exciting but i i'd recommend it hmm. now what is we're, we're gonna talk about this what, what what makes overnight oats different than my regular oats that i can get i don't what's what's the difference here I think mostly because you're not you're not cooking, so you're letting them soak in all the whatever your choice of sort of liquids you are. So I like to use a little bit of a little bit of milk, maybe coconut milk, uh, like low fat cream cheese, um, yeah, berries. Okay. So like the like a berry compote, which will kind of like mm -hmm. soak in as well. So yeah, I think that's the main difference. You let them in the fridge. You don't have to cook them. You just leave it overnight. Okay. You can like kind of meal prep them. Yeah, I don't know. It has a bit more of like a desserty taste, I would say, which I quite like. Hmm. All right, all right. I had no idea. Had yeah, no idea. same. It's like it's like it's like cold brew facts, oatmeal. I get it steeped over twelve hours in the yeah. It's like field. it's like the right. new you know. It's like the millennial cold brew. There you go. Yeah. All right. That's fair. All right. Hey, we did it. We got through. This is that's that's what we got uh, here this evening. Um, this is your opportunity to plug 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 your stuff. Where can we find you? Tell us your links. Tell us your social media. Uh, handles. What do you, what do you got? Hey. Oh, no, no problem. I'm good at this one. Uh, yes, yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Fian underscore Dale, like the tunic and like my last name. Um, always pretty active on Flesh and Blood Twitter. And we, you know, I'm one half of Arsenal Pass. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, all podcast platforms for our weekly podcast, sort of more competitive related Flesh and Blood content. And then we do a lot of deck techs and uh, occasional gameplays and um, some like other videos where we sort of see fit so that's, that's kind of what we do and you can see me at hopefully pro tour number one because it sounds like it's going to be in america so i want to thank you for coming on uh to the program uh i know there there was i am right i am i am doggedly ill right right now so i try to push through it i uh i'm sorry if i was a little raggedy um but i do want to say that uh arsenal pass and you and brendan are uh our our main inspiration you, you the combat chain exists because arsenal pass exists we are inspired by you uh we look up to you we try to model you we try not to plagiarize you but we we do <laughs> we you are you, i joke that uh, you, you're kind of like our parents so you're you're one of our dads uh so we we appreciate everything you do for the game for the community and uh and thank you thank you for coming on and, and like being an inspiration to the combat chain very kind words and thank you so much we we just we love what we do so it's uh it's cool to get to do it absolutely all right adam we're we can plug our stuff now the combat chain is on youtube you can find us if you search the combat chain be sure to like subscribe and hit the bell notification to know when the latest episode of video is uploaded we are available on all audio platforms wherever you stream your podcast 
The best way to support us is through our Patreon. You can find us at www.patreon.com backslash the combat chain and can subscribe to us there. It's a single tier and it helps us tremendously to keep the lights and mics up and running. Uh, we'll have to shout out our patrons here. Clark J, Eugene C, Devin, Tyqueus, and Arcfire. Thank you very much for your support. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, of course. The channel's handle is at the combat chain. You can find me at Pat Smash Good, and you can find Adam at TCG. Now, Hayden, we have one more small piece of business that we like to do with our guests uh, before we call this uh, call it a show. Um, we do a little outro here. I say uh, until next week, and then in unison, if you would if you would humor us. We would all say, we're closing the combat chain. Nice and hammy, and we say it in unison and harmonious. It's going to be great. Is that <laughs> something I can ask of you this evening? Awesome. Perfect. All right. Thank you again, Hayden Dale of Arsenal Pass, for coming on to the program. And Adam, I think that is going to do it for us this week. So, until next week, we're closing the combat chain. That's pretty, that's fairly smooth. That's the best, that's, that's a professional. It's uh, so hard. I was waiting for, I was waiting for your delay and I was like, I think you have like a, for me, like half a second delay. So I'll just wait and it I'll is, go. It is, it's all of us are like a half second off too. Cause I always think he's, he's off in my ears and he's like, it's perfect. That's how it works. Yeah. He's, he's the source. He's that's the, the source. fun of it though, is it's like the, the awkwardness and it's like everybody trying to like, hey, do we go now? Do we? <laughs> It is, all right. So on three or after three? Yeah. But hey, we did it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you much so much for for doing this.